When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. We said it was going to be next week, Dave. Uh, what's changed? No idea. I've, I, you just called me in and said you must speak to me straight away. No, it feels kind of inevitable that we're back here at this point after last night, if I'm honest. Yeah, it was. we really weren't putting too much weight on that Blackpool game, were we, in terms of its importance, as it turns out. <laughs> it felt like it uh, last night. Tuesday night um, I mean failing to win that game in the circumstance I mean failing to win it full stop is one thing but failing to win it in those circumstances just sort of sums up the the, the much too slow progress that we're making you can't concede two equalisers to ten men you, you can't if, if you concede one and you draw the game, that's one conversation, but you can't concede two, because that just hints at disorganisation, you know, tactical naivety, having being too obvious to play against, having obvious flaws to exploit. Yeah, and we were, we were talking last night via WhatsApp and talking today via WhatsApp, and it felt inevitable, didn't it? It felt inevitable. Yeah, I mean, for those who weren't at Bloomfield Road and, and don't know... The players came out for their, you know, their standard round of applause to the fans. Quite a lot of town fans there. Um, not as many as there would have been, I don't think, had the game gone ahead as originally scheduled. But a fair few town fans there, right next to the press box. And the players came over for their round of applause. They got their applause from the fans. And then Fotheringham came over and he got booed, <laughs> specifically. Mm-hmm. So, I think that sort of said it all, ultimately. Um, mm. I think it was the right decision. I... I made made clear in the five conclusions what what I thought about it I think we made clear preemptively on the podcast what we thought about it and I think there's very little point going over the game and dissecting it because any lessons that we've learned from it or most a lot of the lessons we'll have learned from it now sort of go by the wayside because they're going to be under a new manager at the weekend Narciss Pelak is going to be in caretaker charge against Wigan um, what happens from there we'll have to wait and see we're recording this about an hour and a half after the news has come out, less than, and uh, it's still too early to say at this point. But Narciss will be in charge at the weekend. I think that game, I don't know how much of it to put on Mark Fotheringham. Genuinely, I sort of was a bit shell-shocked by the game, to be honest. Um, obviously, the, the lateness of the goals, um, the fact it was so topsy-turvy. I was sort of encouraged that they at least picked an approach to begin with. They were playing, they were matching Blackburn, uh, Blackpool for hoofball uh, in the first half, I think it's fair to say. Um, but at least that was a decisive approach, or it looked like it. Um, as opposed to Coventry where we weren't sure what they were meant to be doing, where they were trying to play it and then ended up trying to play hoop ball. And it's like, well, pick one. <laughs> like It doesn't matter yeah. which one. Yeah. I thought we criticised Mark Fotheringham for being too negative with his subs and dropping too deep against Hull. 
this was the opposite. He actually went very progressive, put, made a load of attacking changes, even the fullback change he made. I mean, putting Jaheim Headley on for his championship debut. Um, I think he made a decent impression. Uh, you can you can look at him for the first Blackpool equaliser, but I think that's just getting outnumbered on that flank. And to be fair, playing Josh Caroma and Jaheim Headley and asking them to, to defend one side is is something, but also, Headley, Headley went close. He created another chance and Karoma scored, so it's hard to criticise it. Then the second goal comes off the other flank where Matt Lowton, who's meant to be the experienced right-back, a fourth game in a row where he's partially culpable for a goal gain going against town. Um, not a great start for him um, at Huddersfield Town. But, you know, I think Fotheringham was... He was equally shell-shocked. He said he was lost for words. Um, he He was very much a man who was asking what what can I actually do here and I think again that sort of spells writing on the wall because if he is at a loss as to how to get better results out of this squad who let's be honest Dave we have issues with this squad but I think Mm. they should not be in the bottom three and they should have been making much faster progress out of the bottom three than they have been yeah Uh, (laughs) we'll get we'll get to the squad but I, I think the problem was last night was like all the probably all the problems coming to a head really in that you're right I think they picked their, an approach but like we said if you're going to go long ball sort of kind of commit to it and they tried but it, I mean it wasn't having watched it back they still weren't sort of all over them it wasn't you know mm. it was fifty fifty was it yeah and I I feel. Like I don't, I think there's that stupid thing of oh the players, uh, you know, aren't playing for the manager or the players playing to get someone sacked. I don't think it's that. I just feel there was a lot of players out there over the last. I would go back the last four games who just look a little bit lost in terms of what they're supposed to do. I go back to the QPR game and Lees and Hellick basically just both at, at, at different times smashing 60-yard balls straight through to the opposition goalkeeper or out for throw-ins or goal kicks because it was clearly a trigger that they'd been told to do but they, you know, the rest of the team wasn't in the shape to exploit it in any way. It just, just doesn't... Nothing has ever felt... Other than their sort of defensive shape and their fitness, nothing has ever felt complete yeah. under Mark Fotheringham, has it? It's it's all been a sort of island of broken toys rather than anything, you know, firm and tangible. And it just, when I say it feels inevitable, we did the last podcast and it's fair to say we sort of, we, we two-footed Mark Fotheringham, really, in as, by going as far as we can go. As analysts, neither of us just want to go... He's got to go, he's got to go, because you've got to leave yourself room for discussion and debate, haven't you, Steve? Mm-hmm. Particularly early in a rain. Yeah, but I just think last night, even if Town had been all over them, I think if you can see two equalisers to ten men in a must-win game against a side who aren't very good. Beneath I mean, this, this, wasn't, yeah. this wasn't Burnley with ten men, this was Blackpool. I just don't think there's anywhere to go after a game like that is the issue. That's it. There's there was I put it in the conclusions, but there's no belief to be had there, is there, after that. You know, no. you, you can't you can't look at that in in any good conscience and say, This is the man who is gonna lead them out of relegation when mm. you know I think if that happens against eleven man Blackpool, it's bad enough, but 
but 10 men, they're below you in the table. You've scored in the 86th minute. (laughs) What should have been a winner, and you can't see it out. And, you know, as I say, I think Mark Fotheringham had worse games as manager. I think Coventry was, was the big one. Um, I think there's been other games where he has been let down. Um, but it's... And, and as I say, I do question how far his culpability goes in this game. And it isn't something that I've... To be honest, I didn't go back and watch the game for the conclusions, as I often do, because the result was everything in this game. Yeah. And the nature of the yeah. result was everything. So it was kind of pointless in a way. Um, yep. So... But it's... He's... He'd made a rod for his own back with the previous results and the other results that were on him. You know, the whole city, mm. the Coventry, Luton. Um, you know, and there's there's unfortunately quite a long list. And I think if if they were still on track, if they'd won, I think even one of those games, they would be on track for their points target to reach the fifty points. But they aren't. They're behind it. And they were ahead of it coming into the new year. They were ahead of that points target after beating Preston and Rotherham. And over the past five league games, plus a defeat in the cup, which is another game where they had a winning position and they've lost. So that's four in six. Um, Or failed to win, I should say. Um, They dropped below the target. And at this stage of the season, they don't have time to wait and see if he's going to get better. And you, you said it yourself on the podcast you know, you couldn't see what they were trying to do in attack at any point. And, uh, yeah, there was just, there's no time left to, to wait and see if he's the man to take them into the third act we talk, we talked about, you know. They, mm. <laughs> we talked about the being at the end of um, Empire Strikes Back and he wasn't going to be their Luke Skywalker, was he? Coming back with, uh, to, to, to save the day, so... Yeah. I just remember thinking a lot about Gary Fisher and a gold bikini, but uh, yeah, it's exactly right. I think we also said on that podcast, if you remember, seeing the the team sheet, seeing how they line up, is going to tell us an awful lot. Yes, and it's fair to say when we saw him go with the same ten plus a force change, Halleck Pearson, we were both taken aback by that because. It didn't work. Yeah, you messaged me. <laughs> it didn't me. work against QPR. <laughs> I, I, it, it, under, you know, I said it on the podcast, but for half an hour they played the worst football I've seen a townside play under any manager for a long time. And I was pretty shocked by that. And I think that it, it just that squad just looks like it needs something else. It needs... A different voice it needs some different ideas it needs to be if it's got to be spoon-fed how they want somebody wants them to attack then that has to happen but at some point it, it, you've got to at some point you just have to accept the input isn't working so you have to switch to something else and it just feels like that they had got to that point and I listened to his interview with Oggy after the game actually mm-hmm. which I don't often do because I think he can be the one thing I've learned about Mark Fotheringham is he can be very, very different in the space of two interviews that me and you both know were given within 60 seconds of each other. Yeah. You know, because often he will walk from Oggy straight through to the press conference and sit and talk to us. But I wanted to listen last night and 
you know, he was very truthful. He was very honest. He said how angry he was. But again, it all feels a little bit showy when at full time he was sort of smiles and laughing with Mick McCarthy because you can't then do that and then come in saying how angry you are and you want to emphasise how angry everybody was and you want to emphasise how unacceptable it was because people have eyes. (laughs) People see things. And it's just stuff like that that you just go... Do yourself a favour, yeah. Yeah, and it just... This is what I'm talking about, about this whole thing about Mark, that it just never felt like we saw a total of anything. It always felt like bit parts of a media persona, bit parts of a football manager, bit parts of a tactician. The only thing I would commend him on is is just how fit he got that squad in a short space of time, which Mm -hmm. they desperately needed to do. Um, but yeah, and even I, and even then they're conceding late goals, which they weren't previously. Yeah. I th- the the other thing I was thinking about, Steve, is when Danny Schofield left. Me and you were quite sad about that. Not on like a personal, or oh, we really like him level or anything. Although we but were, <laughs> yeah, we were because we did like him. But it felt like Town had had to sort of enact their their long term plan in far too short term a space of time and it just it just didn't work you know circumstances were just completely against him and it was just a struggle I, I feel like with Fotheringham he has had a very decent chance because he, he had the World Cup yeah, break yeah. he's had a very very busy transfer window yeah. and we sit here on February the 8th Town have played a couple of games since the window shut and they don't look any better yeah that's exactly you it. Know? it and the thing is not only do they I, I don't know if you'll agree with this but it's not only that they don't look any better. To me, they don't look any better coached. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I th- I think, if anything, they've gone backwards because the one thing that we were saying before the World Cup is at least he's got them defensively solid. And he was... who Your biggest critic, I think, would have to admit he was playing with one arm tied behind his back at, at one point when you had 10 players. Oh, yeah. You think about yeah. that lineup against QPR where you had... The QPR away, <laughs> yeah. Jack Rodoni yeah. playing in defensive midfield. And, um, I mean, let me pull up that lineup. And we, we <laughs> praised him for that as well, Steve. We we would... <laughs> I remember texting you going, this this is an incredible performance. And it, it, it really was. But the problem was, we thought that was going to be the start and it kind of turned out to be the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. Brody Spencer at right back. Boyle and Hellick at centre back. Um, Rodoni as a holding midfielder. Brahima Diara and Dwayne Holmes in central midfield. Ben Jackson on the left wing. Connor Mahoney and Luke and Bette on his subs. That was the team he had. And we, yeah. you know, we were saying, I know they conceded the early goal there, but we were saying at least he's got them defensively structured and that gives them a platform. And after the World Cup break, it's a little mini pre season for him. They've got the January transfer window to look forward to. All these things should go in his favour and we sh- you know he's already provoked an upturn in results it's not massive but bear in mind and I think people have forgotten how dismally bad they were at the start of the season under Danny Schofield because they were um, particularly defensively and it was like right chapter one in the book come back after the World Cup and we'll see a different Huddersfield town hopefully you know we were hoping to see right he's had to he's had to just be very pragmatic here do Real basics with what he's got. Keep it simple. Yeah. And we've come back from the World Cup, and it's the same. <laughs> there's been yeah. there's been no addition. Um, they've actually, as I say, gone backwards defensively. Because I think the shape is there, but they're making soft errors. They're conceding two, three goals routinely, as we talked about the other day. 
and they had a very brief run where they started scoring goals consistently from open play um just after christmas um they got sort of five of them six of them in a row and then it's dried up again and what does that then leave you with when you've got a team that's nominally defensively solid but is still conceding lots of goals and isn't scoring goals at the other end and i think that's that's the long and short of it and there was no indication in any of the games that we've seen since the new year that they are improving in attack despite the fact that they've added and i know they've not played a lot of games a lot of them haven't even started games yet but they have added a lot of players they've had a lot of players back from injury we highlighted how strong the b team was a few weeks ago and they had a lot of players who were starting games earlier in the season under mark fotheringham he's been talking about how much stronger his squad is and how many more attacking options he's got and there's still just not been an improvement and ultimately there's no indication that there was going to be and that makes it the right decision yeah i completely agree i I just i'm struggling to see the coaching you know that the whole game we had quite a we had quite a decent pod i don't listen to them back so but i remember enjoying actually doing it because we had slightly contrasting views on it but we were coming to the same place ultimately the commentary game we both thought was appalling yeah, <laughs> the, you know the 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 QPR game. Our thoughts are on record this week about it. I just we we have we have praised Mark Fotheringham when it looked like he, they were on the start of the journey, but they, like you say, we've just never seen anything else. And I think the other thing we have to talk about is the fact that I I his media persona has never come across as somebody that I think everybody really wanted to get behind and root for and mm. because the problem is he came in and he spent a lot of time saying you know he was this highly rated coach from Germany and he knew all these people etc now the thing is for me that sort of thing doesn't bother me in the slightest no. but I know it rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way you know I know it rubbed a lot of fans up the wrong way and then there have been the games where me and you have been scratching our head where he said, you know, I thought we played well. <laughs> there have been the wins where he's come out and basically said, I thought we played badly. It's just been very, very uneven. Very, as I said, he's he's not he's not become somebody I feel like the fans of United behind at any point. And again, that's it's another factor that makes it feel a bit inevitable because if you have someone the fans are at least want to succeed or or want to push, you've got a chance of being able to be patient and hoping they're going to, you know, rally and carry on. But I just don't feel at any point the fans have really been on board with it. And like you say, last night the booing was very audible, both on radio and highlights coverage. Yeah, inevitable is the word. Yeah, I think there was some criticisms of Mark Fotheringham that were unfair. I think... Oh, there's yeah. been a few. Yeah, not, uh, there's been a few times where there's been bits that have been clipped out of presses, completely out of context. The, that it's like, come on, it's yeah. obvious what he's talking about. But there, but, there, there were people criticising him after the QPR win. Mm. Never mind the draw at the weekend. You know, they, it, he's just. I just don't ever feel like he's had the buy-in of the greatest part yeah. of the fan base. I think when they came in, they were sceptical but sort of hopeful. Yes. But after a few games, it felt. It felt like the scepticism had ramped up quite a bit, and yeah, I, I just you need when you when your backs are up against the wall, you've got to rally round, haven't you? 
Yeah. You know, you've got to be united, and that includes the fans. And I, I just think that it had come to a point where Mark Fotheringham was clearly not the man that was going to unite the John Smith Stadium yeah. in difficult games where the crowd, the team need that extra 2% that, you know, an absolutely buzzing crowd gives you. So, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't even feel a shame, this one, to me, Steve, if I'm honest. Not that I'm happy to see him go or anything like that, but it just feels like it was... If if we weren't podding now, I feel like we could have been doing this pod on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, that sort of says it all, that it, <laughs> we felt that Danny Schofield should have gone after the Blackpool game in September, and then they gave him the Wigan game, and then he went, and mm. this time... They could have given Mark Rotherham the Wigan game, and they've actually decided no. This is this is this is time. And like yeah. I think there's a there's a neat symmetry in there that sort of tells you how little progress has been made. That it's the same pair of fixtures um, that have ultimately mm. done for him. Yeah, and I, I think like the club statement tells you probably all you need to know. Really, they had to act, didn't they? They had to move. It's like what is it? Three sentences, mm-hmm. four sentences, <laughs> at best. It was it was time, wasn't it? It was just time. They they had to they had to act. I don't think it was doing anybody any good to just let it let it go on. And now you know, got to look to the future. Yeah, I think just finally, I think the the fans to say. I thought I think as you said, the fans did. After the initial po- disappointment of it not being David Wagner, and at least now we're not going to have that issue because he's in a job. But um, after that initial disappointment of it not being David Wagner, I think a lot of people were actually open-minded about it. Mm. Like so, yeah, I, 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 I totally get as much as I think some of it is unfair. I totally understand why they never connected with him or vibed with him because there were, as yeah. we've mentioned on the last podcast, there were some press conferences where we were like. What are, you, what are you talking about there? I'm sympathetic a little bit. The one one of the things I am sympathetic with is the relentless positivity because I spoke to to Peter Jackson about this a few months ago, and he was saying that's how you have to be. Like when you when yeah. you're in this situation, you have to be. But I think there's ways of doing it that don't come across as quite as tone deaf. Um, yeah, which he's an inexperienced manager you know and you're gonna get that a bit you know Carlos Corbran wasn't exactly Mr. Media personality um, particularly over his first season at the club but you know results are everything at the end of the day and as I said if they were on for their points target we wouldn't be sitting here saying yes it's the right decision he had to go but they weren't so that's it What comes next, as I say, we don't know at this stage. It's it's much too early at the time we're recording this. We'll, we'll probably get some clarity over the, the coming days. I think they obviously they need to consider their options very, very carefully. They need to make sure the next move is the right one. Obviously, we know that the situation off the pitch is, um, is quite uncertain at the moment, shall we say. Um, takeover talks continuing, more rumours around that, etc. And again, as we've talked about before in December, um, we need something concrete before we can report anything. But again, we are aware of the various rumours that are going around. But um, I think first and foremost, the, the primary mission has to be staying in the championship. And you know, if they can do that, the takeover stuff it 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 remains very important, and it will not be forgotten and shouldn't be forgotten. But it pushes it into the background if things are right on the pitch, ultimately. Because um, yeah. the, the first job is stay in the championship. 
which just you know it's so important <laughs> that they do that for uh, uh, you don't need us to tell you that relegation is bad dave as it turns out as a brighton home Albion fan i am aware relegation is bad all too well all too well but yeah i like it's it's opera i i think we said I mean, we said even before the the World Cup that January was going to be a defining month, and we said we we really needed to see them out of the bottom three. They weren't, but they had a puncher's chance. You know, they'd got themselves somewhere near, but they're not. Again, something we said on the last pod. I feel like we're repeating ourselves a lot, but they're getting an awful lot of help from teams around them. Yes, that that won't carry on. You know that will not carry on. So at some point, you've got to do it yourself. You've got to take your chances and do it yourself. And yeah, I, 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 I just, I, I think future-wise, it, it would be if the if the takeover wasn't the issue, it is. And we know it's bubbling away in the background, and we know it's what, you know, as you said, we're well aware of all the rumours. It would be an awful lot easier. <laughs> But it's like another big wrinkle mm. in this that is not just as easy as doing this or doing that and everything's fine. So it's difficult. It's a big decision to get right, isn't it? It's uh, it's 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 something they need to sort of. This isn't one you can just go with your gut. With you've got to do your research and be sure, haven't you? Yeah, I think everyone at the club, the fans, me and you just want this season over and done with and if they get the next appointment right if they get the takeover right at least it gives the club a fresh start at that point and i think that then allows you to then go into the summer and hopefully go into next season saying okay well last season was awful but it's behind us now fresh start clean pair of hands um so you hope that they can get things sorted on both fronts um it is Narciss at the weekend, though, um, he was extremely popular, I think, for his presser before the Cardiff game last time and after the Cardiff game. Um, fantastic media presence. Um, yeah. Do you think he's someone the fans can get behind? Yeah, I think that I think the fans could get behind him. I think a lot depends on the next two games because I think they can get behind anyone who goes and beats Wigan and Stoke. You know, I think that's that's what it comes down to at this point, and I think. We said we'd get to the squad. I think when you're looking at Nurses, I think you've got to look at it in terms of the squad because it was really easy to blame, you know, the start of the season on Danny Schofield and it's now really easy to blame the middle of the season on Mark Fotheringham. At some point, is anyone going to turn around and say, point out that this squad hasn't performed anything like, mm-hmm. you know, at, at some point, the players have to share some culpability as well. And I'm not pleased... Please note that is not a defence of Mark Fotheringham or Danny Schofield. It's, it's their job to get that out of the players. It, yeah, it is. But ultimately, so many of those players have consistently underperformed that if it's Narciss next or somebody else, it's time to pull your socks up. You know, it, It's the same conversation we like, had after Danny Schofield went, isn't it? It feels like it's a Goldilocks squad, though. Unless things are just right, you know, nothing go, nothing goes the way it should. Well, they can't be like that. I don't care whether you get your best friend in next or somebody you can't stand. It's time to pull your socks up and do what's required to get this football club up the league. And it's it's as simple as that. And if they tell you to, to run harder, you have to run harder. If they tell you to run less, you can run less. 
but what it's time to just you know commit <laughs> you know that's the thing it's time to just commit and get going the right way under if it's under narciss i think well we said i said to you off air he has off air like we're a real radio <laughs> station you heard us sorry sorry this is an off air conversation fans um no we but we was talking before we started recording and i i said to you i do see the value in potentially looking at narciss because if that squad like him and if that squad will play for him, and if that squad will do what he tells them to do, it's got to be worth a look. But at the same time, you can't... If if you want somebody else, you have to bring them in, and somebody's got to read them the right act and say, they're in charge, <laughs> you, you're doing as you're told. Which you know? which which Mark Fotheringham tried to do originally. And but I think, I think he went... I think too far. it's fairly obvious, though, he went too far. You know, he he went way too far. But it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. You know that that game that Narciss was manager for. If you remember, Town looked really tight mm-hmm. and organised, mm-hmm. and he knows this squad. He knows individuals. He knows systems that work. I'm not against it. You know, I'm not against it. But we are at a, we are at February the eighth. It's very much a results business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, as nice as it all looks on paper, really it comes down to who can who can start winning as soon as is humanly possible. One nice thing with Narciss is um, he played that four two three one last time, mm. and you and I talked on Monday about how we like the look of Town in a four two three one. Yeah, and they've got a proper ten. I mean, Knockart mm-hmm. again. I thought looked the best player on the pitch when he came. Yeah, on. that's not so my hard. bias talking. He just, he doesn't give the ball away, you know. And to have that presence, I'm sort of. I know he's not fully fit. I've had one or two. T- <laughs> I've had well. I've had more than one or two actually. I've had a lot of town fans contacting me saying he looks, as John Gregory John Gregory put it, like he's carrying a bit of timber. I, I want to just assure you, he's looked like that all his <laughs> career. That is just it. I have the feeling that when he does give up. In about six months, he will be the size of a small terrace house. That's just his body type. But, you know, I think it's at the point where you go, okay, well, do we actually want him on the pitch for an hour rather than half an hour? Is it time to look at starting and then pulling off on 60 minutes? Leave it, Steve. Uh, Instead of bringing him on on 60 minutes. (laughs) Dear. Take the levity where you can get it. Um... (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we'll see what it brings. I think whatever is happening with the manager, I think there's a fresh pair of eyes on it now. Um, Dave Baldwin was not running the club uh, as he is now. The last time they made a managerial appointment, he's obviously a very experienced head. He's made uh, some belting managerial appointments before, let's be fair, um, in his role at Burnley. So, yeah, I mean... I know Lee Bromby's stock is extremely low with a lot of fans at the moment, but as I say, there is, I think, different assistance for him now, experienced assistance that, you know, Baldwin, as I say, wasn't yeah. involved last time. So who knows what he can pull out of his contact book if they do look for an external appointment. As I say, we, we just don't know at this stage. So I'm sure we'll get more on that in the coming days, but <sighs> never dull, is it, Dave? <laughs> No, no. I remember. I remember when we did one of these for Jan Sievert. Remember that? Oh yeah. 
I remember I, I, you went. You went on board when Wagner went, were you? No. No. So yeah, but I just this is the one I've been least sad about, if I'm honest, because I just, as I said, it's not a slight on Mark Fogging, but it just felt like there was nowhere else to go at this point. It was. It is what it is. Quicker we all move on, the better, really. Yeah. And move on, we will. <laughs> Do you have a musical recommendation? Uh, this Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill, Black Sunday. I was driving home today listening to it at full blast. Hits from the bong if you must pick one song. Cool. Uh, What am I going with? I'll go with Father John Misty, Pure Comedy, which I don't think is his strongest album. I think his first two are both better, but I think it is the best introduction to what Father John Misty is and his themes and his thoughtfulness uh and yeah it's a very cohesive concept album particularly the first six or seven tracks or so i think i think i've recommended black sunday by cypress hill and you've recommended that album by father john misty before there we go well time is just a circle Stephen. it's just a circle <laughs> Well, hopefully it isn't just a circle for Huddersfield Town and they can pull out of this loop and they can drive up the league table. Dave, thank you for joining us at short notice. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We'll be back with you after the weekend game with our regular scheduled podcast. Silly. I say regular scheduled. We're not, you know, we've been very bad at that recently, but hey. Do I look a bit like David Wagner? Mm, don't think so. I hope not. I can sort of see the Wagner, actually, now that you mention it. We are a little dog in a big fight. We should not win any games. <laughs> uh, dear. Right, are we ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>